Welcome, everybody, yet another episode of the Wrestling vs. the World podcast. If you are enjoying your day, awesome. If not, well, I don't know what to say, because this episode may be a little bit iffy on the reception based on where you stand on this topic, but we've all had a lot of opinions with different WrestleManias, which ones are good, which ones are bad, underrated, overrated, whatever, but one keeps sticking out to me. As terms of what I personally feel to be the most overrated WrestleMania of all time. And that is WrestleMania 18. I've heard some people say that they love it. It's the best WrestleMania. It's great and everything. To me, for different factors, mainly the main one being booking-wise, I have to disagree in terms of people who put this over as an extravagant WrestleMania, the best of all time. I mean... If you want one that's the best of all time, look at like 17 or 19 or 24 or stuff like that. But definitely not 18. Because when you look at the booking of the show, whether it be the matches, the finishes, the builds, stuff like that, this show leaves a lot to be desired. There are entertaining moments, but it's nowhere near the best WrestleMania of all time. So I'm going to break down by each match and go over the best and the worst of each ones. Because these need to be looked over. So, I'm not going to count the heat match. Heat matches are just thrown together. I don't care. First match being RVD versus William Regal. Intercontinental Championship on the line. I honestly don't remember how the build went. It just felt like a match that was just thrown out there. Because the pay-per-view prior to this, Rob Van Dam was just thrown into a match against Goldust. Who was just making his return around that point in the company i know i think he came back at royal rumble but then all of a sudden at wrestlemania he's in the intercontinental championship match against regal whatever now i mean that was a solid match i'll give it that now you go to the next match ddp defending the european championship against christian this probably had the best ish build one of the best ones because ddp took christian under his wing to try to get over the temper tantrums trying to think more positively and christian eventually had enough he turned on ddp and this was an overall solid match at best for WrestleMania. Not a big deal match. I mean, one of the best... Well, was it the best European Championship match? I mean, I probably would have put the... Maybe put the WrestleMania 16 slash 2000 European title match over this. But this was a solid match. Not too bad build. But it's just like... it was. It's not the most memorable. Then you get to the next match, which was just thrown together. Literally thrown together. Maven versus Goldass... Or Goldust, Goldust, asked us. I don't know what to call him anymore. For the Hardcore Championship. It was just thrown together all of a sudden right before the pay-per-view happened saying, Oh yeah, we're going to have a Hardcore Championship match. The match lasted like three minutes. No contest. And the only point of that was to set up the whole 24-7 role for the rest of the show. Which is a slight, somewhat of a highlight during the show. The match itself sucked. The only thing you remember was the Hardcore Championship antics throughout the night. And that was it. Uh, the next match, this one I think was one that was kind of thrown together. Kurt Angle versus Kane. I think people said it was just thrown together because, like, Kurt Angle cost Kane a shot at the title or the championship itself, whatever. And it was just suddenly there. And I know, I think Tri-Moon, rest in peace to him, by the way, had that video series of moments that WWE doesn't want you to see. Almost like bloopers or, like, satellite recordings of tapings and everything like that and show that they had to redo one of the spots on SmackDown more than once where there was like the broken announce table they had to do it more than once because originally when they taped it it broke early and it was just a way to try to hype up the match and then they botched the finish because I know how the finishes on Peacock slash Network is different on the live pay-per-view 
so they didn't get the full ending done right. It was just a match just because they didn't know what else to do with these two guys. So it's just thrown there. Now the next match was a good highlight, or like a positive point. Undertaker and Ric Flair, no DQ match. Undertaker was did not like Ric Flair. I believe pri- it was either prior or after this they did the whole brand split and Undertaker got drafted raw because of Ric Flair. But Undertaker had serious problems with Ric Flair and decided to take attack his family, attacking David. And Flair had to step away from his role with authority in order to take this match. And this was a really good match. Really, really good match between those two. Undertaker going 10-0, so it was a, a positive thing on the show. Really good match. Bloody. Great brawl. Love it. Then, the next match. Edge Booker T. And you guys know what I'm going to talk about with talk about this match. Shampoo. That's right. The match that only happened because Edge got a role in a fictional Japanese shampoo commercial compared to Booker T. And that was enough to get these two on a, for a WrestleMania match. In fact, the only thing I remember from this match in general was Edge trying to do the spinneroonie. It's like, really? You're going to freaking put a match together because these two are having a feud because one guy got a deal to do a Japanese shampoo commercial that wasn't real and Booker T didn't? It's like that was one of the worst reasons to have a WrestleMania match. Next. Now the next one. The build I'm indifferent on, the match I have a solid stance on. Stone Cold Scott Hall. NWO came back the previous month at No Way Out. They seem to act like baby faces, then backstage start having problems with Stone Cold and The Rock, and they cause Stone Cold a shot at the WWF Undisputed Championship against Chris Jericho in the main event. So Hogan, we'll get back to him in a bit, would go on to go against The Rock, and they decide, hey, Stone Cold, you're going to go against Scott Hall. I don't know why Kevin Nash did not have a match. He was the only member of the NWO that didn't. And the build was Stone Cold trying to antagonize and torture Scott Hall to the point where Hall was still battling with alcoholism, so they exposed him to beer, and he was taking like the medication to try to make try to stop him from taking beer, but they're exposing him to beer anyway, and Bruce Pritchard tried to justify this. It's like, dude, there's no justification for subjecting someone to something they're legitimately struggling against in real life. It's like I can understand trying to get them help, but to expose them to something that they are subconsciously trying to battle against. Like with Scott Hall, like I said, trying to take that medication, abuse or whatever it was called, to try to fight his urges to take alcohol, and then you expose him to that regardless is not the right way. So it's like, that was a poor build when you look at the real-life implications. And the match itself was lackluster. I mean, this was probably like the lowest like rate, lowest match that Stone Cold had since his WrestleMania 12 match that he had against, Scott, against Savio Vega. The rest of his matches that he had prior to this were all high-profile, great matches. This... Lackluster, you only remember because there was a bunch of stunners. One of them sent Scott Hall skyrocketing into the stratosphere. That was it. Now, the next match, y'all probably don't remember Billy and Chuck versus APA versus Dudley Boys versus Hardy Boys, Fatal Four Way Tag Team Elimination Match for the Tag Titles. I don't know if there was a build to this, but the match was forgettable. All I remember was freaking Jeff Hardy spanking Stacey Keebler, who was on the ring apron, kissing her, and throwing her off. That's it. That's all you really remember. Now, this next match was probably the big highlight of the night. The Rock-Hogan. Night after No Way Out, Hogan cuts a promo saying to all the fans, you turned on me and you sent me away, brother. 
The Rock came out and saying that, no, the fans believed in you. And you sit, talk about how you made that WrestleMania after WrestleMania after WrestleMania. How would you feel about me again inventing WrestleMania one more time against The Rock and the match was official? And they did a great build here. I mean, like, taking The Rock out with a hammer, and then The Rock is in the ambulance. Hogan gets in that semi-truck and smashing the ambulance. That was pretty badass. And then they have the match. Expected Hogan, who is the heel, to get the proper reaction, and Rock is babyface. But the crowd in Toronto gave the opposite reactions, and they still played to the crowd, and they did a really damn good job. Now, I wouldn't put this as the best match of the year. There are some matches I could probably put over it. But this was still a damn good match. Dream match that truly delivered, and they worked with having to change the match on the fly because, hey, we got to go based on the crowd reactions. The Rock wins, despite getting booed out of the building. Hogan was getting treated like it was a second coming of Jesus Christ or whatever. But The Rock won, shook hands with Hogan, and saved him from the beatdown that Hogan was taking by the NWO. So this was actually a really big positive. But then you got the problem with the next two matches. The women's triple threat... Of Jazz, Trish Stratus, Lita. This match was like six minutes. And it honestly did not click. You had a better triple threat match the next year when you took Lita out and replaced her with Victoria. But this match, just for whatever reason, just felt like it had no flow to it. Maybe it's because you had to follow from the intense Rock Hogan match that the crowd was elated for. But this just did not work. I just, I can't put my finger on it. And then you get to the last match that had so many problems. First of all, Triple H Jericho, I can understand like Vince wanting to put the world title match in the main event, like the last match. But how do you follow against the match that people were looking most forward to being The Rock Hogan? It's a very hard thing to do. I mean, I think this is a rare time where you would have been fine not putting the world title match in the main event. I mean, you would see future WrestleManias where the main event is not the world title match, okay? Just because it's the world title is on the line doesn't mean he has to be the last match. You want a prior example? Look at WrestleMania 8. You put Hogan Sid over freaking Savage and Flair. So, I don't get what the whole logic there was. So, it's like you had to follow main event. The build was awful, to be honest. But Triple H came back, Royal Rumble, before the Royal Rumble, won the match, and then before No Way Out, it's announced that, hey, his on-screen marriage is over with Stephanie because she lied about being pregnant. So they had the match in No Way Out with Angle and Triple H. He lost his title shot because Stephanie was a referee screwing him. Afterwards, he regained his title shot, so it's Triple H Jericho WrestleMania. Now, the only me- moment I liked from this build was the whole back-and-forth shots that Triple H was taking about Stephanie on SmackDown? Because I know Chris Jericho... I had posted the video like on my old WWE channel, and I know Chris Jericho's Facebook page re-uploaded it, where he was talking about her gigantic pussy. But you also look at other segments, and Triple H and his feud is pretty much with just his soon-to-be ex-wife, Stephanie. Jericho was a third-wheel non-factor in all this, because... Jericho at one point was freaking walking their dog who Triple H and Stephanie were arguing over who has custody over. The next thing you know, the dog takes a shit in the office backstage. Jericho has to walk him. The dog gets run over by a limo. And that was it. Like, Jericho just felt like an unimportant factor to the build, to the big main event of WrestleMania. Well, not big, but still what should be the biggest match. And he's the world champion. You made your world champion irrelevant in this entire build. To the point where he just, 
There was nothing. And in the end, Triple H won. Jericho kept going after his leg because like, Triple H was still had a bit of an issue on screen with his left quad, which was the one that was torn the year before, but that still didn't matter. And Triple H also hit a pedigree on Stephanie and walked out as, your, as the Undisputed Champion. So it's like, it was a feel-good moment for Triple H, his whole comeback story, but the placement on the card just did not work when you follow an electrifying match like Rock Hogan and the booking for the build was awful. Awful with a capital A. So it's like the show as a whole, it had its like shining moments. Like Undertaker Ric Flair was damn good. Rock Hogan was electrifying, no pun intended. Uh, the Hardcore Championship like backstage stuff was entertaining. But that was just about the apex of it. Because like, again, Regal, Robin Dam was solid, but there was no real build to it. At least that I remember. TDP Christian was solid, but nobody remembers it. Angle Kane was thrown together. Edge Booker T over jet fighting over fictional, fictional Japanese shampoo commercial is stupid. Austin Hall felt like it underdelivered, and the build just did not work because of real life implications. Nobody remembers the tag title match. The women's championship match you could completely forget ever happened. And it did not click. In a main event, the build just did not click, and of course the crowd just was not fully invested compared to Rock Hogan because Rock Hogan burned them out. I mean, it's very hard to bring back a crowd if they're burned out. Like, the only WrestleMania I can think of where a crowd was brought back after getting burned out was 30 after the Undertaker streak ended, and then the main event, Daniel Bryan winning, brought and woke the crowd back up. So it's like you have to get really lucky to be able to bring the crowd back after they're completely killed off for one reason, and this was not it. So, I mean, it's just like, this show, I do not feel, is all that great. It's probably in the middle... At the worst, like, if I had to give out of 10, maybe like a 6. But it's just like, this show was, outside of two watchable matches, this show was nothing spectacular. In terms of, like, the quality matches. So it's just like, I don't know why there are people that say this is a great WrestleMania or one of the best. It, when you look at the booking, there were so many problems with this show. Again, whether it be finishes, like Angle, Kane, builds, like Edge Booker T and Triple H Jericho... Or just whatever. This show need, had places that needed to be improved on. Some things it did right, but not a lot to justify anybody really fully possibly believing that this was a great WrestleMania. So it's like, if anybody begs to differ, please do so in the comments. I want to see how some people, like, some people's justification saying that this is a great WrestleMania or one of the best of all time, because I just don't see it. But anyway... If you enjoyed today's episode, folks, please remember to leave a like, comment what you thought below, subscribe to the bell, turn on if you're listening to this on YouTube, or follow if you're listening to this on any other service that you may be hearing this podcast on, and I will catch you all in the next episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Like, comment, subscribe. Peace out, and good day, everybody.